Welcome to the Word Podcast. The Lord God has given us His Word. Let us learn it. Let us live it. Let us rejoice in it. Spread the Word. Blessings, everybody. This is Dale. Thank you so much for joining with us. We continue going through Second Peter at the second chapter, and we've been looking the last two or three episodes of what it describes here. And Peter is warning the people he's writing to, and he's warning us about false teachers. Now, I've gone through the list two or three times, so I'm not going to recount everything again because it's quite an extensive list. But I do want to pick up uh, in verse 17, which we looked at in the last episode, describing who these folks are. Uh, these are springs without water a mist driven by a storm. And you say, well, what does that mean? Well, the idea is, you know, if you're thirsty and if you're desiring refreshing from water and you come up on a spring and you find out there's no water. In other words, it looks like you've got something that's going to meet your need, but there's absolutely nothing there. A mist driven by the storm. It looks like a storm is going to be coming up and it's brewing, and yet the best you get out of it is just the mist of the cloud itself, that there's no rain to bring forth refreshing. There's no rain to provide what is needed. And you say, well, how does that apply to us today? Oh, it applies because you'll see it. If you just ask the Lord and just, you know, watch what he's doing with some things, you'll understand it. I see it quite prevalently when people teach and preach and they skate all the way around a scripture passage. They skirt over it. Uh, they may actually read it, but then they'll never reference again. They just never pay attention to what the words say. And they talk about all sorts of things. But when it's all said and done, you realize, wait a minute, the truth of the word here was not communicated. Living water was not imparted. It was just the verbiage of someone that's speaking what we see in verse 18, the very next verse, out arrogant words, okay? And so that's what he's speaking of. He's given these pictures of natural things. And he says these folks, uh, the black darkness has been reserved for them. Well, why? Because they speak arrogantly and with vanity, and they entice by fleshly desires. They do so by sensuality. That's twice that he's mentioned that in this chapter. Uh, you know, we associate that with a, a sexual understanding, and that's true. But sensuality speaks to just the, the desires of the flesh. And so you've all had that kind of thing for you. You've got to have that piece of cheesecake, right? you got to have that meal. you got to have that relationship. you got to have that car, that house, this whatever. It's the sensual things that they entice by. And he says, they entice those who are barely escaped from the ones who live in error. And then they do this, the last verse we looked at last time. They promise them freedom while they themselves are slaves of corruption. For by what a man is overcome, by this he is enslaved. And so someone may be enslaved by food. Somebody else may be enslaved by drink. Somebody else may be enslaved by relationship or power or the pursuit of stuff, you know. And he says they promise freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption. And he says they're overcome by this. Now, verse 20, listen to this. For if, so it's a little uh, point of conclusion right here. For if, after they have escaped the defilements of the world by the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and are overcome, the last state has become worse for them than the first. Verse 21. For it would be better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn away from the holy commandment handed on to them. It has happened to them according to the true proverb. 
a dog returns to its own vomit, and a sow, after washing, returns to wallowing in the mire. Now, these, these verses right here are verses which have challenged the body of Christ in many, many ways, particularly verse 20 right here, because it looks like uh, what he's saying, that these have escaped to the violence of the world that by the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, but now they're entangled in it again, and they're overcome. And the last state has become worse for them than the first. So a lot of times people will say, well, they weren't saved. Now they've escaped the defilements of the world and they're saved, but now they got entangled in it again and they're overcome and the last state is worse than the first. And so they have, quote, unquote, lost their salvation. Okay. And if we had just this verse in the scripture, I could probably make a pretty strong argument for what's that being said right here. But I don't think that's what's being said. Because in the balance of Scripture, you find out how we are saved. We're saved because the Lord calls us. He chooses us. He elects us. He predestines us. All these terms, they're all biblical terms. And not just in one place in the Scripture, throughout the Scripture, we see these terms. So the Lord calls us. We respond. We say, yes, Lord, I repent, I confess, and you call upon the name of the Lord, and you're saved. And then what you see in Jude and you see in Galatians is that we are kept by the Lord Jesus, and we are kept for Jesus. He is the one who keeps us, okay? He keeps us. So what's going on in this verse right here? It may be that these folks have escaped the defilement of the world, okay? And by the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, they're totally saved. But now they've gotten entangled up in it again because they have not uh, abide in the Lord John 15, they have chosen to walk away, but they haven't, quote, unquote, lost their salvation. But the state of how they're feeling and what's going on with them is worse than it was to start with. I think a lot of times if, when people do this kind of thing, that the Lord goes on and takes them on the glory. He takes them on the glory. He keeps them and says, come on, child, I'm not going to let you mess up anymore. And that's it. But probably, and, and I'm saying this, you know, I'm totally open to learning a lot more about this, but probably the greater understanding of this is, but these folks, it says, after having escaped the defilement of the world by the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the demons have knowledge. Okay, the demons have knowledge. They have greater knowledge than we do because they've actually been before the Lord. They've seen him. Okay, they have knowledge, but they're not saved. You can know about somebody, but not know them. And so that maybe was being painted right here. That, uh, that they've escaped the defilements of the world, the knowledge, and they know about it. But when you look at this whole long list of things they were doing, you see that they've got entangled again, and you see what the purpose is and why they're doing it. And so they're not really saved. And so they look very religious. They look very good. They sound great. They do everything they're supposed to do, but they're not truly saved. And they continue to get more and more entangled. And that's the reason it says in verse 21, that it would be better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than knowing it to turn away from the holy commandment handed down to them. In other words, it would have been better for them if they never heard of the way of righteousness. But now they've heard of it and they know it, but they don't know it. So they know about it. They can sit there and teach it. They can stand there and preach it. They know about it but they've turned away from the Holy Commandment. And he gives the, uh, the Proverbs example of a dog returning his own vomit and a sow, a pig after washing. <laughs> They're going to go back and wallow in the mire. In other words, they, and that's, I think that's something that gives us that insight even more to those previous two verses, that they know about this stuff, okay? You can wash the pig and you can you know, put perfume on it, 
but it's still a pig. And when you let go of it, where's it going to return? It's going to return to the mud and the mire. In the same way right here, they know about the, uh, the way of righteousness. They know and have knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, and yet they're not truly saved. I think that's the reason that we see in the scripture, uh, Paul said in 2 Corinthians, examine yourself to see if you be of the faith. Also, you see in Paul's writings that his uh, uh, motivating concern, he wasn't anxious, he wasn't worried, etc., but he wanted to make sure about this. He wanted to make sure that he pressed on to the end. The foundational way to know if you're truly, really saved is that you will press on to the end in faith. That's not a salvation of works. That's the working out of the salvation. The salvation that you truly have, you will stand firm in it until the end. John tells us about this in 1 John because apparently some of the believers had left uh, the, the body and the church was upset about it. And, and John said, don't worry about it. If they had been of us, they would have stayed. And the fact that they left reveals that they were not really saved. I think we see the same thing right here. Well, again, I'm Dale. Thank you so much for your time, and I'll see you again next time.